What's up, my nacho fam? I hope you guys are ready for all the shenanigans that are about to ensue on this motherfucking podcast. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. It is time for us to get along. <laughs> Taken from my own personal collection of what the fuck just happened moments. Here's a taste of true co-parenting reality. One summer evening, as I returned home in an Uber around 2 a.m., 29 sheets to the wind, mascara streaming down my face, a hideous sight to behold, no doubt, I knew that I would have to make my way into the house, creep ever so slyly past my sleeping baby daddy, who was watching our son, quickly wash my face and slip into my pajamas and go to bed without him knowing I had come home the night before a hot fucking mess. You see, back in the day when we were newly into our co-parenting journey, my son's father would come over to my house to stay overnight with Keelan while I went out with my girlfriends. But on this particular night, I was out with my then-shitty, sociopathic, pansy-ass bitch of a boyfriend who shall remain nameless for his own sake, who had yet again done me terribly wrong and reduced me to tears and fleeing the scene in the middle of the night. So, as I crept into my house, and by crept, I mean half fell, half stumbled noisily up the stairs, sniffling and still crying, and decided, fuck it, and screamed, Wake up, Terrence! I hate him! Now, Terrence was not okay with me dating. Even more so, he hated to hear about it. Drunk Christy was not taking these factors into account, though. No, 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 no. She was mad, and she was sad. And a mad, sad drunk girl's literally a recipe for absolute psychoticness. But lo and behold, tonight, I would not be the psycho one. In this moment, while I woke Terrence from his slumber, my phone began to ring. It was pansy-ass bitch calling. On repeat. In fact, my phone was ringing incessantly off the hook. But oh, no. I was not answering. And because I know the females listening are like, girl, spill the tea. What did he do? I'll tell you. Because clearly, I'm still annoyed by it. This dude watched some girl dump everything in my purse out and throw it down the hall and then sat there with a smug ass smirk watched me on my hands and knees crying asking him what the hell was going on while I tried to find my belongings and put them back. I then stood up and I stumped down the hall away from him as he took the girl who had just thrown my shit out for no reason back into his apartment. You guys, this little bitch then had the audacity, the motherfucking audacity to call me 10 minutes later and every five minutes thereafter for the next hour while I tried to find an Uber home to ask where I went. 
Where the fuck do you think I went any fucking where away from you? But hang on. <sighs> Shit's about to get wild. So, dude is blowing my phone up. Baby daddy is fucking pissed that I woke him up looking at me like he wants to kill me. I'm like sniffling, angry, crying, and I'm just losing my shit. Then the doorbell rings. And by now it's like 3 a.m. and nothing good ever happens at 3 a.m. My drunk ass stumbles back down the stairs and opens the door. Who could it be? Of course, it is Mr. Fucking Pansy Asshole himself who took it upon him to drive to my house after I ignored his 30 fucking missed calls. Holy fuck. So we got homeboy at the bottom of the stairs, baby daddy, newly awake, annoyed as all fucking hell at the top. And I knew in that moment that shit was not going to end well. There was nowhere for me to turn. There was nowhere for me to run. So up until this point, these two had never met. And there was never a time when I thought, hmm, maybe they should meet someday. This was never in my master plan. So in the moment, I am trying to strategically think, what do I do to keep these two away from each other? So all I come up with is to strategically sandwich myself between baby daddy and pansy ass as one ascends the stairs and the other slowly descends. And as we intersect paths, to this day, I will never understand why this dude decided to mutter these words. But Pansy Ass decides to say, I'm a better dad to your son than you'll ever be. Ding, 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 ding. And it's fucking on, guys. It is fucking on like Donkey Kong now. What happens next is just a fucking blur. Because I have never actually been punched in the face before. But suddenly, I felt like I was inside of a washing machine as I'm trying to break these two apart. And everything's upside down, then right side up, then upside down. And then all of a sudden, I hit something very hard. Everything goes black and then immediately comes back. They're screaming, there's yelling, there's hitting, and then, hey, knock it off! Mr. Wilson, my very angry old man neighbor who lives right next door and had already hated me up until this point, is now outside in his bathrobe, ready to knock the fuck out of all three of us. Terrence takes off. Pansia stands up, and this little bitch says, I'm calling the cops and proceeds to do so. Of course, he wanted to call the cops. He did. They came and nothing happened because it was like a tit for tat, a punch for punch fight with no set details about who threw the first one, who started it, and what exactly happened. Welcome to co-parenting, motherfuckers. I feel like I took that topic and buried it deep down into the earth. So now for the rest of the show, I am going to dig it back out and show you how it actually is possible. So stick with me. We are going to talk this week about a topic that a bunch of you brought up the second you found out I was doing a podcast and that is co-parenting. How do you go from macaroni noises in the bedroom to blocked 
to peaceful co-parenting. Well, I'm going to tell you my story and hopefully that will give everybody a little insight to how we made it work when I actually thought it was going to be humanly impossible to ever get along with this man again in my life. So here we go. Where do I even start? 17 years is a really long time to know somebody, and it's a lot of history. Uh, We met in Nebraska in 2004 when he crashed my sorority party. And once we actually met face-to-face when I wasn't drunk, that was it. It was over. He was the only person I wanted to spend any time with. Like a modern day fairy tale, it was just me and him riding off into the sunset until he moved back to Texas. Once he moved back, it was a lot of back and forth for a really long time. It was a ton of fun going to see each other, but it was just really hard and it wore on us. So eventually we kind of called it off, but not before. That's right. First comes love, we skipped marriage, and then came Keelan in the baby carriage. It was a hard time in both of our lives, really hard. He moved up when I was seven months pregnant to Nebraska, and we tried to take this super fun on and off for six-year party lifestyle that we had together and be parents and do bills and live in the smallest apartment ever. It was tiny. You guys, it was like 800 square feet. And so we go from separate states to this tiny space. And we did a shitty job, a very, very, very shitty job of of being together and being in a relationship and being loyal and being faithful and being good parents. We tried. I can say that like we both actually really tried, but... Looking back on it now, the setting was just, God, we were so set up to fail. We, we did everything wrong. But like, what's everything? Like, name it. Everything. Everything wrong. We put our baby first, which is great. But in doing so, we ended up putting ourselves last. And our relationship couldn't withstand it. We obviously broke up. I moved to Arizona and eventually he did move down as well. And then we got back together and tried to make it work. We had Cohen, our youngest, and the same problems persisted. He and I just were not individuals that could sustain on our own yet. We were so codependent on each other. And it's kind of all we knew because at this point it had been like 10 years of on and off, on and off. And so we kept falling back into these old patterns and we really needed a break to completely separate, to grow as individuals and see where life would take us. And if we were meant to be together, we'd come back together. And if not, we needed to grow and figure out how to co-parent in the meantime. So let's not sugarcoat anything. Co-parenting will be one of the hardest things that you ever have to figure out how to do as a parent. So I point out my baby daddy and I's past for a very specific reason. I think it's important for those that are on the outside looking in 
who just see the success we have with it now, it's easy for them to forget that under the surface is a massive iceberg full of years of blood, sweat, tears, trauma, drama, turmoil, and eventually overcoming all of that to be able to successfully stand where we are today. I don't say this lightly when I say that most situations that you can think of, we've been through and had to figure out how to navigate around. Infidelities, other children outside of our relationship, courtrooms and mediation, failed parental visits, screaming fights where the most hateful and hurtful words were said, calling the cops on each other on repeat, literally hating each other to the point where Terrence even told me once that he wished that I would just fucking die. Like, we have been there. We have been through these situations too. One moment in particular will always stand out to me. And it was back when it was just Keelan and I, and despite the very fragmented relationship he had with his dad at the time, Keelan has this overwhelming love for his dad that never wavers. His dad is his hero. He is like the absolute best thing in the world to him. The coolest guy to ever walk planet Earth. And still to this day, Keelan still feels that way. He just loves his dad so much. But on this particular day, his dad had failed to show up to get him. And he had called previously and been like, I'm on my way. I'm 30 minutes away. I'm 20 minutes away. I'm 10 minutes away. He just never showed up. Key sat patiently waiting on the steps at our house, and when an hour had passed, I'm like, Key, buddy, it's time to get up. He's not coming. Key turned around and looked at me, and he screamed at me, and he said, it's because he hates you. He doesn't not want to see me. It's because he doesn't want to see you, and that's why he's not coming. I was very used to being a scapegoat for a lot of harbored up emotion during this time because we were just going through a lot. This is... Within a year after we had moved from Lincoln, Nebraska down to Arizona, he hadn't seen his dad in months and he had just made the move down. So there was just, there was a lot going on. But on that day, for whatever reason, I was just tired of making excuses for him not showing up when he promised. So I just told Key, he doesn't want to see you. You aren't enough of a priority to him. And the second... The second the words came out of my mouth, I realized this was a horrible mistake. And I watched Key's face go from anger and rage to total defeat. So he ran to his room, slammed the door. I lost it. He lost it. I went in to talk to him and I was trying to tell him that I didn't mean it. That his dad was just busy. He's working late and that I was just mad. But it has been five six years since this happened and I still think about it all the time I fucking hate this memory so much I hate reliving it I hate talking about it admitting that I even said that but I think it's important to share especially within the context of co-parenting because it's your job it is your number one job to make sure your kids feel loved and cared for and secure and safe and for them to know that none of this is their fault they need to know that they matter and they need to know it in their souls so they don't have to question it and they need to know that they are always the priority like the complete opposite of what i did they didn't choose this 
We did. You chose it. I chose it. Relationships that fail as parents, we chose it. They did not. So I guess the moral that, I, that I'm hoping you get out of that story is that we need to protect their hearts at all costs, even when it means sucking up every ounce of your pride and your anger and your ego to do so. And I think those are some of the things that hold us back the most when we're co-parenting is having our ego where we can't back down from them and having too much pride that we just can't swallow it. So we end up saying and doing things to hurt the other parent and that ultimately end up hurting our kids when we really just need to suck it up. Our kids are going to grow up someday. They're going to read between the lines. They see more than we think they see. They hear more than we think they hear. And they know a fucking hell of a lot more than we think they do. But we don't need to make them grow up any faster than they have to. And we sure as fuck don't need to put them front and center in the battlefield with each of us on opposing sides and make them fight for everything. Be a parent. Take the fall, even if it means letting the other parent win. From sex on the beach to lonely in the sheets, we continue. So what was the turning point for us to move into a space where T and I could co-parent. It's when we stopped fighting long enough to realize that we were at very different stages in our post-breakup journey. So Terrence was not ready to co-parent, and I was. Dare I say, this is probably one of the most common reasons people cannot co-parent. The thing that's holding you back is that one of you still cares so much about the other person. Even if you don't want to admit it, one of you is still emotionally invested in the other person and it almost always seems obvious to the rest of us, but you just cover it up in complete hatred and disgust for that person when really you just have all these unresolved feelings that you still need to get over and you still need to work out. I think a lot of fights over the little nitpicky details and schedules, the pickup and drop off times bedtimes, etc. Little stuff has more to do with your unresolved feelings for the other person than anything else. And sometimes, yeah, you totally got duped into sleeping with a fucking asshole and now you have to deal with that forever. That does happen too. And I really am sorry. And co-parenting is going to be a bitch for you. But a majority of the time, it's these unresolved feelings surfacing. Like, can you really not trade Wednesdays this one time because you're that busy? Or do you just like to make the other person's life difficult? So for us, suffice it to say that T just wasn't quite over the fact that we had broken up yet and just needed a little more space and time to deal with it than I did. And so finally understanding that and giving him that room made him able to deal with it and then come back and actually start to be a dad and to co-parent in a whole different way that I really never thought was ever going to be possible. We figure out the key to co-parenting, but what makes and keeps us successful. (sighs) Listen, co-parenting is different. For everybody, there is no one-size-fits-all, and I know that's the thing people don't like to hear because that means you're going to have to get in the weeds and do the work to figure out what works best for you. Just know that it doesn't have to make sense to everybody else. Everybody else doesn't have to agree with it. You have to make it make sense with your partner and you guys have to agree to it and make it work with your kids. That's what matters, not all this extra fluff on the outside. So Terrence and I 
we have a very fluid type of co-parenting relationship with not a lot of rules. We don't have a lot of court interaction. We have just a lot of mutual agreements in place that have worked for us and we're just going to keep taking it day by day. And as long as it keeps working, we're not going to change a thing. Okay, the definitives for the list people, the type A's. Constant communication, willingness to understand the other person. Listening to understand, not to respond. You need to hear what they are saying and actually internalize it. Putting your kids' needs ahead of your own, being flexible to each other's schedules. Stop fucking nitpicking. Stop it. Having more grace and forgiveness and compassion than you know what to do with. This one is so important. You're going to have to forgive the other person over and over and over because y'all are going to do things different. People parent differently. You need to swallow your pride and keep your ego in check because you know what? You're not always right and you don't get to control everything. You need to give the other person space when it is needed. You guys should be each other's biggest supporters. Show your kids what it means to be a family, to be a team, to work together. Never make your kids have to choose or pick sides. That's a total dickhead move. Don't badmouth the other parent and don't use your kids as bargaining chips. And there's one more, my favorite one. And this one is so important that I actually think this one is the make or break. And that's coming up next. If you have been tuning out, you need to stop what you're doing and listen. In my opinion, this is the make or break for a successful co-parenting relationship. The question I get asked most often, do you and your baby daddy still hook up? The answer to that question is no. We don't. And here's why. As soon as you bring back that whole element of having this sort of sexual relationship, everything else gets so much more fucked up and muddy and messy. It's almost like friends with benefits gone completely awry. Okay, it's not going to work. Somebody's going to catch feelings. And this time there's a lot more at stake than just one broken heart and breaking up and never speaking again and ghosting the other person. Okay, your kids are involved this time. So the more that you guys fall apart and fight and argue, the more it affects them. It's not fucking worth it. Like, I don't know in what universe people would want to do this. If you want to still fuck the person you have kids with, why don't y'all just stay together? Shit, go to therapy. Fucking figure it out. Because clearly, y'all don't want to be broken up, but y'all don't want to be together, and neither one of you knows what you want. But I can tell you this much, a 2 a.m. fuck Question number two. When do you introduce the kids to significant others? Simple. When they're significant. That's it. If you don't want to get called for having too many men on the motherfucking field, you need to have a solid understanding of the role and permanence 
this person will play in you and your children's lives before you decide to add that additional player to an already busy and highly interactive game. I think a good rule of thumb is if you wouldn't be willing to post them to your social media and to leave that post there forever, then it's probably too early to introduce them to the fam. Next, parenting plans in court versus mutual agreements. Uh, We actually have both. (laughs) One kid, we went through the courts and we had a, a shitty, horrible experience. But it provides you the chance to have things be detailed down to every last nitpicky detail. I'm not a lawyer. I think I'm supposed to legally say that. Currently, we just have a mutual agreement, which is verbal. We don't even have anything written down. So I take them on weekdays and he comes and gets them every other weekend We bend this and move this and are flexible. We just take it day by day. If you can get away with doing a mutual agreement, that's where it's at. And last but certainly not least, is it hard to date since my ex and I are both very close? Uh, Yes, it is. Everything in life is like a double-edged sword, right? So we get along great now. But somebody on the outside looking in, and I can't say that I blame them. They see the relationship as it is now, and I do think it's intimidating. We we do do a lot of things together, but the reason we travel together and do stuff is because neither one is in a serious relationship. If he or I was, and then we were still going places with just us four, the two kids and us, I think that'd be really fucked up. But what I'm not going to do is miss out on moments in my kids' lives because I'm waiting around on somebody Absolutely not. Respectfully, no. Woo! Heavy subject. We can totally dive back in on another episode, but I think there's a lot of take-home messages. The biggest one being stop sleeping with your ex if you want to co-parent. And the other take-home point is that we weren't always this way. Please remember that we weren't always this way and it took a long time to get here. So if your relationship is super fucked up right now and you guys are struggling, that doesn't mean all hope is lost. Take a step back, breathe, think big picture, look big picture, figure out if you have unresolved issues, figure out where your anger stems from, and then start extending a whole lot of grace and empathy and sympathy and compassion. Communicate, talk to your partner. Having kids, this isn't an issue that's going away. You guys are going to have to figure this out. So stop wasting time and figure it out now instead of years down the road. Co-parenting successfully, peacefully, happily is where it's at. It will just bring so much peace to your family. And I hope everybody can find this like new happy medium place where we can all kumbaya and get along in perfect fucking harmony. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I will talk to you all next week on Nacho Baby Mama.